Father God, we come to you this morning. We ask that your spirit would fill this place. Help us to understand the realization of what love means. Father, fill me as I speak today. May it come from you and not from anything that I have. Use me as your servant today. And use us all as your servants to reach others for your, for here, for the people who are lost here in this world. Bless us now in your son's name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, turn in your uh, Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 13 today. It's been a few years since I've been here at First Alliance Church. I'm a little balder. I wear glasses now. I uh, was able to travel a little bit, traveled to China and represented the United States in uh, Christian education and education, and that was a great journey and adventure, and was able to share the love with some people that I spent time with in China and the city of Chengdu. I was able to uh, go to a birthday party about two and a half years ago and jump on a trampoline, and at the last jump, my daughter, who Stella was turning seven, said, Dad, let's take one more jump. I said, all right, let's go. And as I took the last jump, I tore my Achilles and fractured my heel. And I've experienced getting older after I turn the age of 40. But that's all right. I want to share with you that I love my family and I love the Lord. Amen? That's what we need to do is we need to love the Lord in everything we do. And I thoroughly enjoy sharing God's love with people. I'm going to read these verses to you this morning, and then we'll dive into my sermon. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This morning as we look at these first verses in verse 9, I'm going to read it again. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is right. I'm reminded of Zacchaeus as Jesus was coming into the city. And Zacchaeus climbed up that sycamore tree as the song goes, for the Lord he wanted to see. And he was so excited because, you know, Zacchaeus was this little guy. He wasn't tall. I would probably tower over him maybe by a foot. And he was so excited. He wanted to see who this Jesus was. So he climbed up that sycamore tree and he looked. And as Jesus was coming by, he goes, hey, I'm going to go to your house today. We're going to have dinner. We're going to break bread. And I'm going to share with you a love that's everlasting. And I want to love you on you. You know, sometimes as we believers today, as the Christians today, we forget the importance and the power of love that we have towards the lost and towards each other who are believers. We get so consumed by what's taking place in our lives, we forget what is important about loving each other. And we have to love each other because Christ called us to do that. And we can't Hold tightly to what the world has in store for us. We have to hold tightly for what Christ has in store for us. We want to hate what is wrong. And we want to hold tightly to what is good. I want to encourage you all today as you leave. And no, my sermon's not done. But as you leave. (laughs) 
to hold tightly to what God has done for you in your life. But also, seek those people out who don't know Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter in the eyes of God if you're politically correct. It matters in the eyes of God that we are showing others the true love that he has in store for us. You know, I see people and I teach at a Christian school and I've been in Christian education for a long time. I've been a pastor for a while as well. And my kids come in and when they come in, they're like, hey, Mr. D's. And I put on my smile and I fist bump, give a high five, hug, and I'm not that type of a person. My wife will tell you that. My kids will tell you that. But these are kids, and I I do love my wife, and I do love my kids, don't get me wrong. But I see these kids coming in, they're coming from divorced homes, single family homes, and kids who are dealing with depression, and they're just 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, dealing with all these different things, and as they come in, I might be the only God, I might be the only Jesus they see at that moment, and and I'm putting in my mind, I need to love them as Christ would love them. As you go out to eat, as you go to the grocery store, as you just go out for a walk, let the love of God shine out of your body, out of your face, out of your mouth, even out of your eyes. You know, as we were wearing masks, and some people still wear masks, and I'm not knocking it, please don't take offense, I had a hard time to see what people's faces look like. But then I realized I can give a smile with my eyes. I can make my eyebrows go up. I can give a wink. They can see the twinkle in my eyes. And I was going to do that if it meant me getting uncomfortable. Because I wanted the world to know that I serve a risen Savior who I'm going to be in heaven with one day And when my time on earth here is done, I want this to be a celebration. I don't want this to be a time of mourning. I want people to know that I served the risen Savior. I might not have done my best, but I want them to know that I love my Jesus. And I think that's what we as the believers today need to do. No matter what's going on in our lives, how hard it is, and trust me, I've been in some hard spots. I can honestly tell you that. Turn the love of Jesus up. It's like back in the 80s. There was a song that you would crank the radio up and you would like to listen to. Now, I I was a little kid in the 80s. Some of you might have been teenagers in the 80s, okay? But I was a little kid and I can remember going to my cousin's house who were teenagers and they would crank this song up, okay? And I was like, that's pretty cool. Now, I'm not going to name any of these songs, but your imagination can take you there. Or it might be a song from the 70s, because some of y'all might be from the 70s. Or the 60s or the 50s. But whatever your generation is, you had that song you just loved and enjoyed. Well, crank it up. But here's what you need to crank up. You need to crank up the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to crank up the power that he's given you through the Holy Spirit. And then you need to turn that power into the love that Jesus has for us. And take it with you wherever you go. So when you walk past somebody, they're going to know that person loves Jesus. You know... Let's look at verse 10. It says, love each other with genuine affection and, ha- and take delight in honoring each other. You know, folks, 
Back in 1997, this will show you my age, I was 22. I was a summer camp director at the church in the Christian school my dad pastored at Downey Church and School. During this time, my niece who's here with us today, she was a counselor helping me. And uh, there was a young man named James Addis. He was nine years old. He was much taller than the rest of the kids his age. And so every once in a while, I would ask some of these students who looked a little older and were a little more mature, would you consider being a junior camp counselor and working with kids who are younger than you? And this young man who was nine, who was about this tall, said, yeah, I went by Coach D's. Yeah, Coach, that would be great. So I took James and I gave him a junior camp counselor t-shirt. And he wore it every day. His mom would wash it for him every single day. And he came and he worked with the six and seven-year-olds. If a kid needed something, he would walk with them and take them to get it. And I had the Gideons come. The Gideons presented every kid at our summer camp. We had about 150 kids every day. It was like having vacation Bible school all day, all day, all summer long. And the parents actually paid for it. It was quite interesting. But that's a whole other subject. <laughs> but it was fun. But the cool part was, and I didn't know this until 2006, that James had given his life to Jesus Christ. Then I got a letter from his mom. In 2007, it said, Dear Andrew, thank you for the love that you poured on my son. Thank you that you took the time that you took with my son. James was riding his four-wheeler and went over a hill, and James didn't make it. But let me tell you something about James that stayed with him from when the time you left, he left and we moved to North Carolina. James had met this young man in his ninth grade year, and it was his first day at school there, James. And while he was there, six or seven kids, guys, and then another six or seven girls came up to him. He was a handsome young man, and they talked to him, and they were talking with him in the courtyard. And across the courtyard, he saw this young man no one was talking to. And she said, Andrew, I want you to understand, James learned how to love no matter what somebody looked like. James, she said, excused himself and walked over to this young man whose face had been totally disfigured. They don't know why. And James walked up to him and said, hi, I'm James. What's your name? And the young man spoke. And he goes, from this day on, you and I are best friends. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter who you are. I am your friend and I will love you. That reminds me of the power of Jesus Christ because it doesn't matter what we look like, who we are, where we've come from or what we've done. Jesus is there to love us. Now, his parents didn't find this out until his father went and gave a safety seminar at this high school where James was at. And this young man came up and told him. 
You know, when we love people, we don't know the impact that we have on them. And so as we love, and I sound like a broken record, love as Christ would love. Because they, you might be the only Christ that they see. Let's look at number 11. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. This also reminds me of a verse in Ecclesiastes, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. When we have something to do, we need to do it with 100%. My wife reminds me of us all the time. She goes, Andrew, are you doing it to the glory of God? Whatever we do, are we doing it to the glory of God? Or are we doing it to the glory of ourselves or to impress someone? It, it, that, that's not what it's all about. If we go to clean somebody's yard up, if we go to church to do something, we need to do it to the glory of God. Give him the glory in everything we do. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing at all times. Last night, we were with some friends of ours that we haven't seen in quite some time. Enoch and Miriam. They, uh, Miriam had just graduated back in May from uh, um, the University of Central Florida's medical school as a nurse practitioner. And so they sold their house, they bought an RV, and they traveled for six months all across the United States. I think they did like 37 or 40 of the 45, 8 states here. So she contacted my wife yesterday impromptu. We had ice cream, and as we're eating ice cream, uh, we get a call from a friend of ours who's a pastor. His wife is Brazilian. He was a pastor in Brazil. He called. There was a medical emergency. And so Jenny immediately handed the phone to Miriam, and Miriam was talking and, and saying what was going on, and, and do we go to the hospital? Do we not go to the hospital? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And... She goes, Miriam says, where are you at? And he goes, I live in Waterford. She goes, we're in Waterford. I'm coming right now. So we hopped in the car. And as we hopped in the car, I'm driving. I don't forget anywhere, ever. I'm like a, a GPS. If I go there once, I don't ever forget it, ever. And I'm driving. And I get on the road, I drive, and they're following us, and we're going as quickly couple miles over the speed limit to get to this place. I turned, I, I was lost. I, I just was lost. I looked at Jenny, I said, turn the GPS on. I don't even know where we're at. We finally get to the house. I hop in the truck with the kids, with Enoch. We're, they're watching a movie, we're talking. Jenny and, and Miriam run into the house to deal with the situation. His wife wasn't well. And then we finally went in and, and we had prayer and over her and, and um, we were talking and Enoch goes, I don't know what Andrew's deal was. I was like, he's either gotten old and he, you know, he's really old or something is not right. Well, 19 and a half years ago, something similar to this happened to my wife. And as I was driving, I was remembering flashbacks, whatever you talk about, of what was taking place to my wife at that time. And I just, I, I, 
I was totally lost. And I, and I told them that, and I said, look, Enoch, that, that's what was taking place. I, I was just totally lost. You know? But the point I'm getting at is this, verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. And verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so what I want you to understand is, all of us are believers. We get to the house, Miriam does her thing, and within 25 minutes, the situation totally turns around. God empowered her to use her abilities. But here's what, we, what I want you guys to understand with this little story. We went because we were going to go show the love of Christ. The power of Christ. The healing anointing power of Christ. And not only that, y'all. But she was eager to go. She showed hospitality. She was concerned. And whenever we see people, believers or non-believers, get over your issues and love. Now, I'm not just preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to the choir. We have to get over our issues that we have with other people in case they're in time of need. We need to go to them, to love on them, to appreciate them no matter what. And am I going to tell you that's easy? No, it's not. I can tell you from experience. It's not. But do we want to be obedient to the Lord? Yes or no? Oh, come on. Do we want to be obedient to the Lord? That's right. We do. And if we're obedient to the Lord, then we're not sinning. When we're not obedient to the Lord, then we're sinning. And I definitely don't want to sin. Listen, and I'll close with this in just a moment. The importance of this sermon is for us to understand something. And that is to show love to each other, to show concern to each other, and to show the importance of what it's like as we walk our life here on earth. Since I left you guys, I actually wrote a book and published it, but I want to read something to you. It's talking about love. It says, I love to watch young kids as they experience the joy of Christmas. For the first time, or how they react to getting a special present. The expressions and joy that overcomes their little faces and bodies are tremendous. I can remember when my son Benjamin was given a gift from his uncle Claude, who lives in Romania. Claude called my wife and me to tell us ben, to go get Benjamin, who was eight years old, a bearded dragon for Christmas. I hate dragons. I'm just putting that in. I, excuse me. I hate reptiles. No, I don't hate them. I dislike them. Because if I hate, that means they're dead. I, if you want to see me shiver and run, if you see a reptile, I will scream like you ladies and run, okay? But let me go on. When we gave Benjamin this gift, it was like watching a match lighting a fire with lighter fluid all over the wood. He could not contain himself, and he was yelling and screaming with a joy and excitement. That's how we should be. I want to keep going. This is what a Christian should be like every day of their life after accepting Jesus Christ into their life. 
Life in general should be exciting for the non-Christian. And I'm going to tell you why. They're alive. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian is alive physically and spiritually. The non-Christian is alive physically and does not know that their eternal, what their eternal outcome is. The Christian knows our eternal outcome. As I was watching an interview with Freddie Mercury, while he was interviewed, one thing he said stuck out to me. The bigger the audience, the better I am at the concert. I thought, wow, this gentleman who had AIDS and was slowly dying said a profound statement. He took joy in the size of the audience that Queen would perform to and made him joyful, but for a brief time. I also knew that Freddie Mercury was also a troubled man who struggled to keep joy in his life. His joy to keep fans entertained is probably what kept him going for more years before his passing. Freddie was asked in an interview if he thought he was going to heaven or hell, and he quickly replied, I was not made for heaven. A lightning bolt suddenly goes, cooks, and you think you're going to get into heaven. No, I don't want to go to heaven. No, hell's much better. Look at all the interesting people that you're going to meet down there. I must admit, when I heard this statement from Freddie Mercury, it saddened me. Joy is when a person comes to the Lord. It tells us in Scripture that when a person comes to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice for just this one person. In Luke 15.10. Listen, it saddened me. My heart broke. A gifted musician he was. He couldn't find the right love. He couldn't find the love of Jesus Christ. And he struggled with that. Don't miss the love that Jesus has for you in your life. And you can be a believer in here today, and you might be struggling. What are you struggling with? Who are you struggling for? What are you struggling about? And why are you struggling? Quit struggling with loving yourself and loving others when there's this person called Jesus Christ who suffered every sin that is imaginable and died on the cross for us. And he gave his love. He gave us a free eternal gift. All we have to do is accept it. I'll close in just a minute and ask the worship team to come up. Dr. Bruce Wilkinson is a great man of God. He's written many books. And while he was speaking in Africa, he and his son... His son traveled with him. And the meetings got over very late. And they got back to their hotel. And as they got back at their hotel, all they wanted was ice cream. They desired ice cream. Bruce said that he just wanted a cup of ice cream. And as they got to the hotel, the little restaurant that was at the hotel was, was closing. And the waitress came out and said, I'm sorry, the, the, the dining room's closed. And they said, can you just find us some ice cream? We just want some ice cream. We love ice cream. You know, we're Americans and we love ice cream. And the lady just smiled and said, okay, I'll do my best. And as the woman walked back, the waitress walked back to go find ice cream, Bruce's son looked at him and said, dad, you got to give her a good tip. 
And I mean a good tip, Dad. You got to give her a tip that is unbelievable. The best tip, Dad. And he goes, my son's kicking me under the table. She's coming out. And what does she have in both hands but three scoops of vanilla ice cream. And he goes, oh, man, I saw that ice cream, and I just thought, mm, I love ice cream. And she set the ice cream down, and he goes, I have my wallet. And he goes, I'm just like fidgeting through my wallet. I'm thinking, oh, man, I got to get this, give her this tip. And he goes, before I left, I, I went to the bank, and I, I had them give me the currency of this country. And he goes, so I just took the whole wad and said, here, God bless you. And my son got this big smile on his face, and he was like, yeah, Dad. So we started eating our ice cream. So the waitress just walked, got to the door of the kitchen, turned around, and started crying. Walked back and said, you don't know what this means. You see, today when I left my apartment, I didn't have enough money to pay rent. And I turned to God and I looked up at my ceiling and I said, God, if you want me to live in this apartment with my son, God, you have to provide the money tonight for me to go to the landlord at the bottom of my apartment building and give him this money or we're going to be homeless. So God, you have to do this. I'm totally depending on you. And as she tells Bruce this, she goes, Sir, this is exactly the amount I need. I'm not getting kicked out of my apartment this month. Oh, God is great. God shows love in so many ways we just don't understand. That is the power of the love of God, amen? He comes through when we don't expect it. And he came through when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Don't ever underestimate the power of God and what the word love means to God, amen? Father God, we love you. We want to honor you we want you to know that even in our sin-filled lives, you still forgive us because you have a love that's everlasting. Father, show us continually the love that you have for us. And Father, may your Holy Spirit fall afresh and anew on us, anoint us with your power, with your grace and with your might and with your love because, Father, you can do that and no human can. So, Father, as we leave today, may your Holy Spirit fall afresh and anew on us and anoint us like we've never been anointed before, Jesus. May the power of the Holy Spirit do something in us from this moment on like we have never seen. May it fall on this church and this community so that we can love others that you want us to do in a way that is honoring and glorifying to you. In your son's name we pray.